Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. This is Outside the Walls, part four. This is our vision edition, okay? Outside the Walls, the series we've been in, and uh, this is Vision Day edition on Vision Day, and we're going to Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three, Joshua's in the Old Testament. Chapter three, Joshua was the leader that took over after Moses. Most everybody knows about Moses. Joshua was the, was the leader that took over the Israelites after Moses had died. Joshua was a type and shadow of Jesus. His name's Yeshua. It's a type and shadow of the Christ. Anything that Joshua does, you can find parallels, prophetic pictures, and types uh, into today, our Messiah. And uh, in Joshua chapter three, we find a story that I want to read to you. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and uh, we'll unpack it pretty quickly, uh, and then we'll talk about our, our, our risk for 2018. Joshua chapter 3, verse 9, said, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, and I just have to say this because my dad would say this, he would say, at the parasites and the mosquito bites, and every, every, it's a bad church joke, bad church, don't, don't even laugh at it. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and will stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. At this time, the Jordan was at its highest. It was deemed uncrossable. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now uh, the, the priests went ahead of them. Uh, let's see, I've lost my place. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a huge heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Therathan, while the water was flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea. It was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground ground on dry ground it's awesome if you don't know when Moses led the people of Israel his job his purpose really his assignment in life his calling was to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt if you read in your Old Testament I love types and shadows and prophetic pictures if you read in the Old Testament Egypt is always a type and shadow of the world Israel is always a type and shadow of the church it's interesting that God sent Moses, a deliverer, into Egypt, into captivity, to bring a people out of captivity and into the promised land. It's a picture of our own salvation story, is that we've been in bondage and in slavery to our own passions and desires, but God sent a deliverer named Jesus, thank God, and came and rescued us, bringing us out of, and now our journey in the wilderness is on our way to the promised land, which would be heaven, and we got all kinds of fun in the wilderness. That's called life. Enjoying that. And Joshua and Moses 
uh, when Joshua was being raised up were inseparable. The Bible says when Moses would go and meet before God, that Joshua would be laying outside the tent of meeting. That he would not leave the presence of God. So he watched Moses. He, he, he watched him as a leader. And if you know the story, Moses was supposed to bring the people of Israel into the promised land. But because of disobedience, he was not able to bring them in. So although they were on the brink of what God had promised them because of disobedience, they could not cross over into it. So Moses and the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for another 40 years. 40 years. 40 years later, Moses has died. Now Joshua is the leader. And they come back full circle, literally, back to the brink, the banks of the Jordan River. And this is where we read our text today is God is saying that he's going to bring them over. He's going to bring them across the Jordan. And the Jordan River just happens to be at flood stage. Have you ever felt like God asks you to do things like when things are the most intense? You know, it's like we could have crossed the river like in the summer when there was a drought, when it was actually crossable. But God's like, oh, flood stage, amazing. Let's do it. And they're like, yeah, there's no possible way that a human could cross the Jordan River at flood stage. And I wonder if that's just kind of like how God likes it. Not that he likes us to be in pain or in confusion, but almost he sees the disadvantages of life as an advantage to his power. And so he says if they could have got through it on their own in the summer, I'm going to make sure that they go through it in the winter when nobody else can get the glory Except for me. See, if you can make it through life without God, you will have the tendency, I will have the tendency to take that credit myself. If I can work hard and make money, if I can uh, get, get married, have a family, if I can do things, accomplish goals. If I, can't, if I can do it in my own strength, with my own talent, with my own gifting, I will have a tendency to believe that maybe it was me that brought the increase. It was me that did the work. But God likes to do things when we're all out of options. And then he does something miraculously. He does it. So it's at flood stage. And God says, that's perfect, Joshua. That is perfect. Joshua's like, am I hearing this right? Like, Moses heard you real clearly. I'm getting a little fuzzy signal because it seems like you just said cross and this thing is uncrossable. Can I just tell somebody today that your God is a God of the impossible. He is a master at impossible situations. He specializes in crossing over when everyone else would say, don't do it. God says, go ahead, take a step. Let's, let's do it. Take a step and let's do it. I remember uh, when we were moving from uh, Washington State to Texas. And uh, we had told our families and, and uh, we were uh, getting ready. July will be 10 years uh, since we moved. And uh, so uh, we were moving. My family was sad. Jamie's family sad. And I remember driving to U-Haul, looking in the mirror and everybody waving and crying. We're like, are we making a mistake? We don't know. But I think we heard God. And so we're driving. And God brought us out of Washington. But he didn't want us just to, like, never go anywhere. He brought us out of something to go into something. See, this is how God works. God will always bring you out of something to bring you into something else. God will never bring you out. We're talking outside the walls. God doesn't just bring you out. Now we're out. What's out? God always brings you out of one thing so that you can go in to another. Now, I will, I will confess on the journey, um, I did feel like maybe God had brought us, like, nowhere because we had to go through this state, Wyoming. I don't know if anyone's from there, but, like, it's... 
it's, I think we drove three straight days and just saw the same thing for a long time. I'm sure there's pretty areas. I'm sure you have cities and people there, but I didn't see any. And, and we happened to get, stop and get gas. And, and I just remember this this morning. We were stopping to get gas, and, and, and so we go in, and it was like a movie. There was like tumbleweeds, like, you know, blowing. And, and the, the, the door was like not shut all the way. It was just creaking. And it was like, you know, are we going to, is there going to be a problem here? It's just, er, er, you know, so we walk in. There's heads and antlers all around and there's this one lady sitting behind the desk and you know, the counter makeshift counter and, and and she hadn't had a lot of orthodontic work done so i don't i don't know how else to say it but it is just the, the tooth fairy did a wonder on her but nothing else came back okay so i i just i this is not i shouldn't even told that part of the story okay, i'm sorry but she looks at me and she says, now I'm like, I'm not, it's not like we're 17 when we're doing this, okay? Like, we have our fam- family, our house, like, packed up, our cars. And she goes, hey, you running away from home? I'm like, do, do the only people that come through here, are they running away from home? It's just very scarring. But we drove for another 17 days and finally got out of there. And, and uh, we find, finally got to Texas. Promised land, praise the Lord. Uh, Whatever God brings you out of, it is only to bring you into something else. God doesn't deliver you so that you can just be delivered. God delivers you so that you can step into purpose and step into assignment. Whatever God's doing in you is for a reason to go outside the walls, but that outside the walls has a purpose. God always brings you out to bring you in. Now, in 2018, this is really important. I think that there's some things, before we talk about our vision for 2018, I believe there's some things that we really need to understand from this text. He said, we've got to understand in 2018 to go outside the walls, we have to have presence. Now, this, this is super important because the, the, this story, it says that they sent the Ark of the Covenant first. See, before anything else, they didn't send the warriors. They didn't see, like, the, send the young, naive kids, you know, go check the water. They, they, they said, we're going to send the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant. If you don't know this, the Ark of the Covenant, anywhere it's mentioned in the Old Testament, represents the presence of God. And so when Joshua communicated to the priest, he said, I want you to go to the water's edge. I want you to take the presence of God all the way to the edge of the Jordan River. And then I want you to step in. I want you to step into the river, and then the water is going to part. I mean, it sounds great, you know, if you know the Bible and you know how the story ended. But I can't imagine what was the signal they were getting. Like, you, you, want, you want us to step in. And the water is going to part, like, automatically? Like, this, where's Moses? Moses, like, come back, please, Moses. We're stuck with Joshua. Moses would have done it his own. He would have done it on his own. That's how he crossed, that's how he did the Red Sea. Nobody had to step in the Red Sea. He just stuck out his staff, and the Red Sea parted, and everybody walked through. Nobody had to do anything. Wouldn't that be nice if your Christian journey didn't have to depend on you? We just had a Moses that would just do everything for us, just part the water, let us walk on through. But I don't know if you've lived life like I've lived life. I've found that my responsibility is very important in my progress, that I have to do some things. And you know what? We need the presence of God. It is really important in our life is that the presence of God always goes before us, before programs, before popularity, before good ideas, before good structure. The presence has to go first. Joshua didn't sit around with a committee and say, let's formulate a strategy on how to get across the river because God gave him a strategy. 
if, if we would have in our human minds tried to get across the river, we probably would have said, well, let's spend here a couple months here. Let's build a boat. We're going to start getting people over. We would have worked in our own strength to try to get across what God was trying to get us across. So it was really frustrating is that they could see the promised land from where they were. They could see what God was giving them from where they stood. What, what, what do you do when you can see what God has for you, but you can't get to it? You can actually see freedom, or you can actually visualize a vision for your life, but you just can't get to it. This is what happened to the Israelites as they're on the brink of the Jordan River, and it was important to Joshua because God spoke to him. He said, I want you to send the priests first. I want you to bring the presence of God into the equation, and I want you to follow the presence. This is what he told the people. Follow the priests. Follow the presence. God's presence will always lead you into purpose. God's presence is never leaving, leading you into a place with no purpose. His presence will always lead you. See, we're not trying to build a church just to build a church. There's a reason that we're building a church. There's a reason that we're trying to reach people. There's a reason that we're trying to help families. There's a, re there's a reason behind it because God's presence will always lead you into purpose. Now you got to have presence, but I think this is really important, is that you have to have pace. Yeah, you have to have pace. Now I'll explain this because momentum is one of my favorite things in life. I love momentum. I like things getting, uh, gaining steam, gaining momentum. Momentum's powerful. But here's the problem with momentum, specifically in a church culture, in your spiritual life, is that when you gain momentum in an area, you have now the tendency to stop relying on the presence so much. And start using your own practical momentum to do things that God's not asked you to do. This is why the pace is really important is because God said don't run ahead of the priest. Don't run ahead of the presence of God. I want you to get in behind them. See, the, the presence of God and the pace of God work hand in hand. Because I can have his presence, but I also have to have his timing. Timing is important in the kingdom of God. I know things that God's trying to do in our church that are massive, that are huge. But it's really important that they happen in God's timing. It is really important that they happen in his way. Just because his presence is in front of us and has gone before us doesn't mean that we should ever run ahead of him into something that he is waiting for a different time for us to cross over into because this is the story that, that most people forget once we get to this part of the Jordan River is that they've been to the Jordan River before. They've been there before with Moses and it wasn't time to cross. See, if they had, someone had told them, hey, God wants you to cross the Jordan, which God had said, I want you to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Once they got to the Jordan River, they must have thought, well, let's go. Let's cross over. But it wasn't time yet. Have, have you ever felt like you had something in your heart, but God just said it wasn't time yet? It's one of the most frustrating places to be, to actually be able to see the promise, but know it's not time yet. This is why pace is so important. Corporately on vision day and individually, the pace that you run your life is very important. When you move and how you move, when you make a move, when you don't make a move, when you stop and when you go. We have to be so in sync with the heart of God and the voice of God that you know when he's speaking and you know what he's doing and you know when he's asking you to cross over. It's flood stage. God surely can't be asking me to cross and God's saying, yeah, 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 come on. It's time to cross. 
I was talking to a, a young girl in our church that has stepped into some new opportunities, some new positions, and has just encountered a new level of opposition, a new level of warfare. And I pretty much, in, in, in other words, but said these things, you're at a new pace. You're at, God's picking up the pace. And when God picks up the pace, the, 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 the uh, duration that of, your, of your trials, the things that you're walking through, increases. The opposition increases when God takes you into new levels and to new places. And so she's having to pick up the pace. There are sometimes God picks up the pace, and there's sometimes he slows down the pace. You know, most of the time in my life, people have tried to slow my pace down. Okay, it's just, just how it works with me. And I'm like, let's go, let's go. God, I'm ready. It's like, I need to wait for his timing. I need to wait for his timing, his timing. Did you know that God's timing is so important for your purpose? You can be anointed and not appointed. David was anointed, but he had no position yet. So he had presence but the purpose hadn't been revealed yet. He had presence, but he didn't have the position yet. So David had to wait until the time came. See, your presence and purpose have to, or your presence and your pace have to work together. I found that when we're keeping pace with God, that great exploits, we talk about in our church a lot, great exploits come disguised as ordinary steps. That, that when God's trying to move you into something, we think it's a great call, it must require a great step. Most of the time, the steps are little yeses here. Yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God, I'll do that. No, God, I won't go there. I won't do that. I'll say no to these things, and I'll say yes to those things. Those little steps are preparing you for the great big thing that God has for you. We think it's going to be one giant jump off a cliff, and it's usually not. It's one step here and one step there. A yes here and a no there. And we have to follow each of these steps until God reveals the next. And God said, I'm going to send the priests. I'm going to have them stand on the edge. And then I want you to wait behind them. I want you to follow the presence. You know, I think that sometimes people just get ahead of God. They have an encounter with God or they sense God's call on their life or a purpose, an assignment, and they just run ahead. They think that they should be way further than they are. You know, God's time is not our time. He's not on the same timetable we are. You know, I think the biggest uh, probably mistake I made in my 20s was thinking that I was out of time. Thinking like I didn't have time to wait. I didn't have time to develop. I didn't have time to, to, to say no. I had to go, go. I had to do it right now. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that God works in his own way and in his own time. And if I would have interrupted his pattern, then I would have, and it would have ran my pace, I would have gotten ahead of his purpose. I, I got to work in sync with God. You got to work in sync with God. You got to get in timing with Him. This is why we talk about our 21 day fast. So we're getting in sync with God. We're hearing His voice. We're listening to Him. And then it's interesting that as they come to, to, to the river, and I think this is something that we really need in 2018 is we need God's provision. You need God's presence, you need His pace, His timing. And you need his provision. There was no way that they could cross that river unless God intervened. There was no way that they could cross over into what God had for them unless God showed up and helped them. I'm going to tell you this. Your provision is on the other side of your step. Your provision is on the... See, this, this, I, I, I just try to imagine like what this would be like. Because God is saying, like, all right, like Joshua, tell him to step out. Then I want you, those priests, to step into the water. When they step in the water, that water is going to part. It's going to heap up on one side. It's going to run down on the other side. It's going to be incredible. 
And Joshua tells the priest that, and the priests are like, whoa. I want Moses back. I think this is where most believers kind of like live in this place, where if I could just have a leader to tell me what to do, if I could just have a pastor to like do it for me, that'd be amazing. But you know the body of Christ is not made up of a bunch of pastors. The body of Christ is made up of a bunch of people, just us. It's just us, just people that love him and that are willing to step. And so he says, I just want you to go and step into the water. And those priests must have been like, Joshua, like he's delegating his assignment. Like, where is his staff? Go get, go get Moses' staff, stick it in the water. We saw Moses do it. Why can't you do it, Joshua? And the priests are walking up, and they're probably like trying to like, like figure out who's going to step in first. It's like, you know, you try it. No, you try it. Last time I was at the Jordan, it was cold. You try it. And it's like, let's just humor Joshua and stick our foot in. And it's like, oh, stick it in. And the water parts. The step. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Your step is crucial to your purpose. What if they would have waited on the side of that river? They would have waited for God to part the water. They would still be waiting and God would still be waiting. See, this is the standoff with vision. Is that God is usually waiting for us. And we are usually waiting for God. God is waiting on us to take the step. And we are waiting for God to part the waters. And so the church sits immobile and people continue to die, and people continue to be in need because the church is waiting on God, and God is waiting on the church. That's why we have to go outside the walls in 2018 and stop being spectators and stop being watchers of the purpose of God and say, I'll be a priest. God, I'll have the boldness and the courage to step into something that looks uncertain, to step into something that looks dangerous, to step into something that that looks like it could kill me to step into something that's unknown and to step into something that's at flood stage. I was praying for you this week. I felt like corporately as we talk about our vision, there's some things that God's asked us to do that it looks like flood stage. Like, God, why would we step now? It's flood stage. But I felt God begin to speak to me that there's some people here, even in this room right now, and Wiley or watching online, where your personal life is at flood stage. You, you can feel it. It's, it's just that area where, yeah, I'm okay over here, but in this area, I, I've just reached my capacity. I've reached the top. I've reached a place where I don't think I can cross over that. I'm going to tell you this. God specializes in impossible situations. Let me say it this way. God specializes in flood season. He specializes. He does his best work at flood season. He does his best work at flood stage. When just when you feel overwhelmed, just when you feel like you can't take another step, just when you feel like you'll never get freedom in that area, just when you feel like you'll never get breakthrough, God's saying, all right, we're going to do this thing. I just need you to step into what you've been afraid of. See, that's why we call them risks, is to the people of Israel, it was a risk to step in, but to God, it was no risk at all. Because God saw the promise and knew they would get to the promise, so he wasn't too concerned with the process. We see the process and don't see the promise, so we're concerned with the process. And God's saying, would you just take a step? God, it's risky. It's a river. It's at flood stage. And he's saying, right, but you don't know what's going to happen on the other side of your step. So we sit in mobile for another year and wonder why God's not doing something great in our lives. 
as a church to do great things for God, we have to take great steps. That's what it boils down to is that we have to take great steps and go and stand, step into whatever is trying to stop us. This is going to be a banner year for us. I'm telling you, this is going to be a banner year, and we're going outside the walls. I want to read you a scripture, Isaiah chapter 62, verse 10. It says, pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Now, I love this because it says prepare the way for the people. A lot of scriptures say prepare the way for the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to prepare for something that's already arrived. Once God shows up, I don't have to prepare for him anymore. Me and him are in pace together. We're in sync together. We're walking through this life thing together. So now, prepare the way for the people. Let the nations hear. Let the other countries hear. Let the states hear. Let the streets hear. Outside the walls, perk up your ears and listen that God is coming. The gospel is spreading. The church is rising. We're going outside the walls. That's what God's called us to do. It's what God God's called us to be in sync with his presence, in sync with his pace, and guaranteed by his provision, we step into the thing that he's called us to step into, out of something and into something else. The rest of scripture says, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, raise a banner for the nations. When Isaiah wrote this, this word that came to him was prophesying that the Jews would be released from captivity to Babylon. It's also a type and shadow of the church being delivered or rescued from the world. And so when they said, raise a banner for the nations, what this is saying is let the entire world know what God is doing with his church. This is what I believe that God wants to do, not just Church 1132, but in the church of Jesus Christ. I believe he wants a banner, not of church names, not of denominations, not of theology, not of own interests or own pro programs or own theories or own strategies. I think he wants us to raise a banner that says Jesus Christ is lifted high. Jesus Christ is lifted up here. My Bible says if he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. The, 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 the key is in the lifting. The key or the provision is in the step. The step. I love vision day. I love vision in general. And I want to share a couple of these things for you real quickly because last year in 2017, we had 10 risks that we began to talk about and, uh, and, and pray through. And God began to move through your generosity and through obedience of, of lead teams and staff members and visionaries. We were able to get, see these things happen. And I want to read them to you to just give a little report on them. And then we'll jump into our new risk for 2018. 2017, we had a risk to host the summit, which is a marriage conference, and you just heard on this platform, Joe Cortez testify that at that marriage conference that was a step of faith for us, he gave his life to Jesus. We launched VBX, which was our version of VBS, and we heard about a salvation that happened there this morning. We sent our first 1132 missionaries to London. We sent three missionaries to London. We launched young adult gatherings that are averaging over 200 young adults a month. We added an executive pastor, Pastor Keon. 
came and brought our organization to another level. We launched coaching curriculum and took 58 coaches through a coaching leadership class and graduated them into places of leadership in our church. We added kindergarten and before and after school programs in our school. We're on waiting lists in almost every class in our, in, in our preschool. There was a line out the door uh, when we opened registration. It's incredible what God's doing. We, we were going, this was our risk, to form a launch team. For our first satellite campus, not to launch it, just like, let's get a team together. Just like talk about what it's going to look like in the next four years or something. Um, But God's pace was different than our pace. So Wiley, after a couple months, we launched, and God's doing a great work through you, and he's just beginning. He's just beginning what he's going to do in that area. Incredible. We purchased additional property. Now, I'll tell you this. Again, pace is everything. We, were, we own all of this property all the way out to, to Greenville and to Rivercrest and to Pebble Brook, and we own all of this. The only part that we didn't own was where this preschool, Rivercrest Preschool, was. And we felt like it was important to our master plan and future buildings and all that that we owned that. And so that was one of our risks, our steps that we believed we were supposed to take. Now, that was a big step for us because the pace told me, I'm just kind of like, whoa, that's a little too fast. Because when we approached them to buy the preschool, they said, no, you can't buy the building. If you're going to buy the building, you have to buy the business as well, which increased the cost almost 50%. So now we're looking at overpaying for a, th- for a piece of property and a business that we already have our own preschool. So I don't know if we need another preschool. There's already a lot of preschoolers running around here. And, and so I'm like, God, like, that's a big, that's a big risk to say that. And to do that, so we felt that the presence of God and the pace of God would be provisioned by God, so we bought that preschool. We bought it. They had 25 students on the day that we bought it. We were planning for six months or a year of losing money as we tried to right the ship and turn this thing around. In, in three months, it turned completely around. We went from 25 students to 57 students. It's already more than broke even, and begin to make money as a stream of income to the church. Pace. Sometimes it's slow down. Sometimes it's speed up. The, the last risk from last year was begin a campaign for a children's facility. And I'm going to talk about this for a second because we act, this is the only risk from last year that we didn't accomplish. And uh, we were about to start it, and we are going to launch it. We have met with the architect, and we have plans made up. And it's going to cost us $5.5 million to build this children's facility. And so we, again, went to the Lord, and as we're praying about it, as our board is looking at it, we're thinking through it, and we just did not feel peace about the pace to encumber the church with $5.5 million of debt, and so we just continued to pray. Now, if you know anything about me, that empty checkbox on that risk has bothered me for 12 straight months, and I just wanted to start a campaign to check the box off. I mean, I just like, I just, I, I hate it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what we feel like the Lord spoke to us and what we did. I want to talk to you about our 2018 risks. 2018 risks. We're adding first grade to our academy. Our academy is growing. Kindergarten has been a huge success. We're adding first grade. We're going to keep on adding a grade every single year until I get my high school football team. Just throwing that out there. Just a little vision casting. We're going to start. Wiley, we're starting young adult gatherings, and we're starting momentum in Wiley. 
Many families been asking, when is momentum coming to Wiley? It's coming to Wiley this year. Uh, we're going to launch, like we did last year with a women's conference, we're launching an annual men's conference starting this year. We are going to start a financial health ministry, and uh, this is huge for us. This is something we really hear from the Lord, is, and something that I hear from our church all the time is people encumbered by debt. And, and a lot of people that, that make a great amount of money, but they have stewarded that money poorly and now have found themselves in bondage or a little bit tighter than what they want. So we're creating financial health groups, coaching, mentors to help families crawl out of debt and into the blessing that God has for them so that they can be everything that God's called them to be. We're going to record and release a new 1132 worship album. Most of the songs they've written themselves. We are going to launch college at Church 1132. Something we've wanted to do for a long time. This is a big risk. We're going to become an extension site of a university. We're negotiating with a couple universities right now. We're like already getting started on it. Uh, Southeastern University is one of the ones that we're really connected with. And, uh, and we're going to be an extension site for them. So any of our interns or any of our young adults in our church would be able to take college classes at, at a very good rate and get any major that they're interested in. Not just ministry, but any major that they're interested in. We are going to, we're going to start intercessory prayer team. An intercessory prayer team is going to be praying through every service. And we are going to start first Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month, prayer meetings. When, when, when Jamie and I started the movement years ago, it, it was birthed out of a prayer movement. I mean, we prayed all night. I mean, we had morning prayer meetings. We had all night prayer meetings. We had like fasting and praying. We had every um, pre-service prayer, post-service prayer. I mean, it's just like... We just should have called ourselves like the prayers instead of the movement. Uh, it's like everybody prayed all the time. And I felt like in this new season that God's bringing us into is that we need another level of prayer. Because we can do things naturally, but I'm just going to tell you, our goals naturally are not God's goals. He, he wants supernatural goals. He wants things that are... He wants the river to be at flood stage and say, ask for that. That's where God wants it to be. So we're starting an intercessory prayer team, and every first Tuesday of the month, we're going to gather. We're going to do our first one in March. We're going to gather. Anybody's welcome. We're going to open the auditorium, and we're going to have prophetic worship and prayer and believe God to reach our community and Metroplex and surrounding areas and all the other places that we're going to have campuses in in the future. We're going to hold quarterly Love Our City days. These are serve days. This is where we are going to equip the body, and we're going to take on projects in the community. We're going to give to people that can't give anything to our church. We're going to give to homes, to families, to people, to community leaders that can give nothing in return, and we're going to be a blessing to our community. In Wiley, in Allen, we are going to give. So four Saturdays out of the year, quarterly serve, we are going to equip our entire body, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people, to hit our cities with love. We have projects. We're partnering with all kinds of organizations to get their projects, and uh, we're bringing money to the table. We're bringing man hours to the table, and we're going to see God do something amazing in our community. We're going to begin, this is our pivot from last year, we're going to begin and complete a children's facility remodel. We are going to take building A, 
we are going to give brand new technology, brand new lights, brand new floor, brand new, brand new walls, paint, everything, signage. The entire thing is going to be completely retrofitted and remodeled for our children. It's going to be state of the art, and we're going to go from five and a half million. Talk about financial health. We're going to go from five and a half million to two hundred and fifty thousand, and it's going to be one of the greatest children facilities in the area. We're not just doing classrooms. We're not just doing the auditorium. We're also doing outside. We're putting in turf in the field. We're adding, uh, we're adding all kinds of different elements for kids specifically. And we have so many young families. We're going to add all kinds of different elements for kids uh, to have a great time while you're in here uh, doing what you do. Okay. And uh, we're going to take care of them. And our last uh, risk is um, we're going to form a launch team. We know how that works for our third campus. And this might be coming sooner than you think. And we're actually going to be sending out surveys this week about a location. We really have a spot in our mind and our heart. Uh, we're going to send out surveys. We have a lot of families from those areas. And so we're going to begin to move rather quickly. Uh, we are completely out of room. Uh, in everything that we do. And uh, Wiley's out of room at Harrison Intermediate. We're out of room here. We're out of room at 1145. And uh, uh, 8.30 is about the only service that has a couple seats left. Uh, other than that, everything is, is just packed out. And so we need uh, more space. We need more rooms, more seats. And so we're adding another campus. Uh, and we're going to form that launch team here shortly uh, to begin to make moves on that. And because of the crowds and because of the growth, we've seen incredible growth. Last year, we saw four 46% increase in growth, and uh, this last uh, quarter, we saw the greatest growth that we've ever seen. Then this last month in January, we actually saw the greatest month of attendance that we've ever had in the history of our church. So with that, there's some good problems. The good problem is we're out of space completely. That's a good problem. Dr. Michael Maiden was here last week, and you remember what he said? He's like, so... You got to get ready for that new building. And everyone here was like, this is our new building. <laughs> so later he's talking to me. He's like, oh, I meant like the new, new building. I'm like, yeah, ooh, pace, pace, Dr. Maiden, pace. Like trying to raise my kids and like stay married and stuff. Like pace. <laughs> but as we prayed into it and we're just asking God what we need to do, we're going to do this is our, we're starting a fourth worship experience out of Easter. And uh, our Sunday night service is coming back, and uh, it's going to be at 5 p.m. I know many of you went to that service. Now 5 p.m. is lit up. It's, it's awesome. And uh, so uh, we're going to start at 5 p.m. coming out of Easter. So April 8th, we'll start a fifth service. And Wiley, this one's for you. You've done such a good job. You're packed out of Harrison Intermediate. So we have secured B&B Theater in Wiley starting April 8th. You're going to be a brand-new facility. No more setting up chairs. No more setting up a screen. You're going to be living large. We went over, toured B&B Theater, and, and uh, um, the seats are rather comfortable. So I'm just going to say right now, if anybody falls asleep in those seats when I'm preaching, we are going to have ushers commissioned to just, like, throw cups of cold water. I'm joking. But seriously. Uh, God's so good. These risks can only be accomplished by two things. Good funding and good staffing. People and finances. People and finances. That's how the church moves forward. People and finances. About everything in the world moves forward. People and finances. 
We've got a lot of great people, and we need a lot more people serving. We need a lot more leaders. We need a lot more groups as God is growing. Whatever he's doing here is really big and really wild, and we need your help to lead and to serve. And we're going to take our miracle offering. I know many of you have been preparing. We've been talking for weeks, over a month now, about this miracle offering that we're going to take here in just a couple moments. It's our 14-7 fund offering, which is for the vision of this church. And this vision, really, these steps are accomplished, can be accomplished really quick uh, with with the right amount of funding. And I have a number in my head that I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to influence what you give in any way. I just want you to hear the Lord. And i got to tell you something about generosity in our church is we really believe in generosity. This is not something we just say. This is something we believe. This is a lifestyle for us. This is how we live. This is how we do. But this, here's the thing. When we're raising money for a vision, you're not responsible for anybody else's. You're not even responsible for the whole amount. You are only responsible. I just want to take some pressure off you. You are only responsible for what God's whispering into your own heart. And God would never ask you to give something that you didn't have. So it's just, I just want to take, a, I, I've been in cultures where it was like kind of pressure to give or to do. Listen, I want, I want you to get behind the vision. If you get behind the vision and you want to give to it, God bless you. If you're saying, man, this guy's asking for money, we're going to take it on, don't worry about it. God's our provider. Oh, good. They don't need my money? No, we'll take it still. Um, <laughs> but for real, the church moves forward on the provision of God, just like you move forward on God's provision. You're not our provider. God's our provider. Your job's not your provider. God's your provider. But God asked each and every one of us to do what we can do in obedience to the steps. So I know many of you have been, been uh, uh, preparing for a long time to give. And so, so we're going to take that in just a minute. And, and ca- you can give cash, check. You can give in the buckets that will go by. You can give online. There's all kinds of different ways. But before we transition into that, I want to just say something. Because today is vision day. It's exciting. And, and we're talking about the vision and all that. But I want to speak to you personally talking about corporately and us taking steps, but I want to speak to you just individually just for a moment before we dismiss. I want you to know that as I was praying this week, I felt God, I was so excited for vision, but I felt God also break my heart for people, individuals, that you were just at flood stage. Just something in your life, some area, some decision, some place where you just felt at flood stage. And maybe even you're sitting here right now or you're sitting here a while, you're watching online and you're thinking, man, that's great. That's great. You got a great vision. That's great. You got big things. But like I'm, I'm dying inside. And I just want you to know something. God knows your path. He knows. He knew the people of Israel's path. He knew what they could handle. He knew what they couldn't handle. He knew what they could stand up under, and he knew what they couldn't stand up under. And I'm going to tell you, God sees you. He knows what you can do. He knows what you can't do. He has compassion for you. The Bible says that he is a high priest who's been tested in each and every way just as we are. So he can actually sympathize with our weaknesses. You do not have an uncompassionate God or an uncompassionate Savior. Savior. You have someone who loves you and who sees you right where where you're at. And I don't know what you're facing as your river, Jordan. But I do know this is that there's a promise on the other side of that crossing. And that promise is found by the obedience of your step into it. So this is my challenge to you. Step into the thing that scares you. Step into the thing. So many people leave ministry because they were hurt by ministry. Listen, ministry is always going to be painful. Some of you have been in ministry, you've been hurt by ministry, you've been hurt by churches and leaders. Listen, it is painful. Hurt people hurt people. And when you're in the business of helping hurt people, you get hurt. That's just the way it is. But don't step out of the river because you got bit. Don't step out of the river because you got hurt. Just keep on stepping. 
and let God part the waters. Let God make a way for you. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.